Welcome to MediaPost's Brand Insider. I'm your host, Steve Smith, Editorial Director of Events here at MediaPost. Each week, we interview marketing leaders from companies old and new about how they build and evolve their brands on an unpredictable media and culture terrain. In addition to this full audio interview in podcast form, we also publish a companion newsletter with highlights from the Q&A. MediaPost has been covering marketing and media news for over 20 years. You can find the Brand Insider Weekly as well as our daily coverage at MediaPost.com. Now, let's get into it. Let's welcome to the Brand Insider, Julie Rehm, who is the CMO and Chief Experience Officer of Party City. Party City, City, of course, is the largest retailer for party supplies with over 800 locations in North America. Its parent company has a web reach into 20 countries. Uh, Julie, the the Party City brand uh, has been working almost against multiple headwinds this past year. Uh, Not only do you have a massive physical retail presence, but your very name is synonymous with the very thing that was locked down, <laughs> parties. Uh, so I know there, there's going to be a lot to talk about in just the challenges that you guys have both as a brand, but also at retail. But before you do, I want to back up into pre-COVID times. Um, first of all, talk us, tell us a little bit about the party city structure. You are not just a retailer of party supplies, but it runs much deeper nope. than that. I think that impacts a lot the kind of story that we're going to be able to talk about here. It is, and it's it certainly does impact, you know, we are not different than a lot of other big companies. What people, most people don't realize is that Party City is part of Party City Holdings, Inc., or PCHI. And PCHI is a an amalgamation of multiple companies, Party City Retail, of which is the largest, yes. But we manufacture 80% of what we sell in our stores, and those are located all over the planet. We have other small businesses and other locations internationally as well. We also have the world's largest Mylar balloon manufacturing company called Anagram, based in Minneapolis. Um, so you know, we make costumes, we make plates, we make cups, we make we make again most of what we sell in our store. But when you couple that with the actual retail locations that you mentioned, the party city retail locations here in the States, it's it becomes complex when you talk about what a pandemic can do because it we are vertically integrated. And so it's not just the impact that a, a pandemic like this has on retail, but it's also the manufacturing that then supports that. And again, not just us, but also all the other business entities that we supply to, because to your point, parties was sort of the thing, <laughs> the anti, the anti uh, Christ, if you will, for the pandemic. Um, that didn't stop us, though. We we talk more about it, but mm-hmm. but the truth is, is that if you know, if I think about us, it's I I would say that we're more celebration central, maybe, than Party mm-hmm. City. Um, not taking away from our brand name, but if you think about what people do, it's celebrate. And um, there's no pandemic. I don't know what there is that would stop people from celebrating. It's it's human nature. And, you know, the pandemic didn't stop birthdays and babies being born and um, anniversaries and all the like. So, so you're, you're seeing, but as a um, as vertically integrated, you're also supplying other retailers. Though, right? So you're, so you're a supplier to other retail. You're seeing this uh, you're seeing this pandemic from a lot of different perspectives. You're at you you are the supply chain and the retailer, and you're seeing it both impact your own stores, but also the ways in which it's impacting a lot of your partners. Absolutely, we do get a lot of insight, um, particularly with our balloon business, because again, we are we 
with the strength that we have in our balloon production and just balloons in general being such a core part of the party city retail locations with the manufacturing side, when you're, we're selling that into other mm-hmm. retailers or other entities, business entities, it's not just retailers, but it's other entities as well. You do get a beat on not just how we're faring, but how others are faring. And so it is, it is, it does give us a better understanding um, of of what the pandemic is doing in total and who it's impacting perhaps more than others. I think it also has been interesting to, you know, their, our CEO is uh, part of these councils and retailers come and they share monthly, uh, they get updates, um, but they, they share monthly. And it's very interesting to find what businesses are struggling the most, which ones are actually booming. Um, and just to get a little bit of the prognosis there, we we learned actually from those types of, of um, meetings of the minds, if you will, that there was going to be a second wave. It was predicted, you know, and again, it's now it wasn't a secret with this group, but it was talked about very, very openly in the early part of the pandemic, I would say late spring, that there was very likely going to be a resurgence. They were saying, right, we thought it actually was going to be more over Halloween. Mm-hmm. It was pushed a little bit to, as we saw, really more now Thanksgiving timeframe. But the 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 plan was always to prepare for that additional hit. Um, what is difficult to prepare for is how people will feel. And I think that this has just been a very big eye-opener for all of us um, in terms of people's, um, they become very... I, they've they've just really had it with I think <laughs> the lockdown, and so you're you're seeing now where people were potentially doing a lot of virtual parties, and they were. We had we feel very good about the the authorship that we had actually, and participating and trying to help people celebrate differently, safely uh, through these virtual and other types of of celebrations is that now there's a bit of a fatigue for it. And with the cold weather, where a lot of those were taken outside, you know, that's being inhibited a little bit with the um, virtual, again, a little bit of fatigue. And so with the vaccine on the horizon, I think then there's some hope. And so they're thinking, well, we can we can hold out. So that it's it's been very interesting from that perspective to see and understand the consumer's want and need and the impact that it has, not just on Party City, but on specific categories. Um, what we've found uh, actually over the Halloween season, which you know was, a, was actually better than we had initially thought it would be, the, the business that did well consistently was what we call our everyday product. So it's the the paper plates, the napkins, um, balloons always consistently does well. Birthday, mm-hmm. those are those are part of our core kind of all the time. Um, Halloween was better than anticipated. It was, um, but it wasn't. It wasn't by any means a record year. Um, and I think that is because people, when you come to those big events, those big gatherings, they were more measured in what they did. We had a lot of ingenuity and innovation and the candy shoots and I could go on and on and, sh- you know, the, the, we did the scavenger hunts. There's so many, there was a lot of creativity, 
But I think what we started to see is that this every day, these paper plates, especially because they're reusable or, or sorry, disposable, they're not reusable, they're one-time use, you can use them and throw them away um, because of the balloons are being a really great way to be able to, especially with our same day delivery, to send it to somebody to fill your room. It's a very different way to create a very fun celebratory atmosphere. Those, those learnings um, are helping us prepare for the next few months, which we anticipate to be a challenge. Um, the vaccine, as we've heard, we get new news every single day. It's exciting that they're starting to ship and Britain has gotten approval. And But it's going to take time, as we know, for that vaccine to permeate the broad public where people are going to be able to get back to their lives the way that they used to live them, you know, perhaps in 2019. So we are very much um, trying to lean in and support our customer, make it easy for them to still celebrate. And we're trying to make it, you know, make these products as accessible and easy for our wholesale partners as well. Because again, we're doing well in the, that every day. So are our partners. Let me, let, let me pull back and let's build towards, towards that a little bit. I wanna start with where you were from a media perspective before the, uh, before the crisis. Typically, how did uh, what was the marketing and media mix for Party City in terms of how you <clears throat> how you found your customers, uh, what media you used, your general messaging and brand approach, and, and what behaviors you were trying to to drive? I know that's a lot, but see what we can do quickly. <laughs> it's, so what's interesting about it, Steve, is the I started. So this actually today is we're talking is uh, December 2nd. And today is my one year anniversary with the company. Mm -hmm. So um, the paper anniversary, they say. So the this is that one year anniversary. So if you think back a year ago, I was just getting started and I was, I was made CMO at the end of April, the 1st of May. So I wasn't managing it. That doesn't mean I don't know, but it was a very, just to give you a sense, we've gone through so much transformation as a company. Um, I promise I'm answering your question, but I, this context I think will be useful and helpful in that understanding. We have a new CEO in Brad Weston. He started in August of 19. Um, he was brought in to really help transform the company from being just the, simply the supplier of party goods. And again, that's PCHI to being the, the provider of a party experience. So much more of a curated experience. Goods are part of that, but it's not the only thing. So he came in and there were a lot of uh, leadership changes that were made, a new chief merchant, new head of HR, finance, myself, you know, CIO. Um, pandemic, of course, hit. Then I was made CMO uh, at the end of April. And so, you know, the media world, <laughs> you know, it's, it was a very, it was a very awkward time because there, we, I think we shut all of our stores um, commensurate with the rest of the country having to shut stores if you were considered non-essential. So it's sometime in April, reopening late May and June, finally, or mid-April, we shut down, something like that. But those, the pre-pandemic um, marketing plan was what I would consider more weighted traditionally. So there was there was some TV, I would say not a lot of TV, but some, you know, TV broadcast, mm -hmm. Um, there was certainly a, a, a good percentage weighted in um, search and, and some of the digital, the social placements. There was money uh, that was spent on sp some sponsorships, 
um, some outdoor, some theater, that kind of thing. It's mostly Those, business where you drive, were you mainly tra aiming towards foot traffic or how much of an e-commerce business did you have by that point? So if you looked at the end of 19, the way that the calendar year ended on the, the, the public, the fiscal report, it was roughly 10% of the revenue came from uh, e-com. Mm -hmm. So um, when I was made CMO at the end of uh, April, I also took over the operation of the, of the web. And the web initially, much like our stores, by the way, so this, this all goes hand in hand, were set up. Um, if you've ever been into a store, and by the way, we're changing, we've got a lot of next gen stores. If you happen to live in Vegas or Kansas City, we go to those stores. Those are our next gen stores. That's where the future of the stores are going to look like. It's theatrical, it's the bloom counter in the center, the sight lines are low. The rest of the party cities where you've probably been in, you know, the 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 racks are high, mm -hmm. the aisles, it's got more of that type of um, a true, a traditional big box feel, I guess is what I would say. Mm -hmm. um, we're trying to take that you know, we've reduced the SKUs by 30% this year. We're making it more interactive. We're putting more vignettes. It's more solution oriented. That shift that we are making in the stores mimics the shift that we're making on the web because the web, the e-commerce experience was initially set up to be really more of a catalog experience, mm -hmm. not a solution selling experience. So when you were talking about the media, what is it driving? It was driving, yes, there was search and it was driving some web, but it was largely driving store traffic. And mm -hmm. what we had to do in this transformation, it's a really, you know, it was a lot of complexity for the business coupled with, of course, a pandemic, but in some ways the pandemic actually helped us focus in on what was truly important is that we're re we've readjusted the web and I would tell you we've got much more work to do. We've made some progress, but there's much more work to do to try to make it into more of a, an experiential shopping um, site, which is what customers on a retail level have come to expect. Mm -hmm. the, the, the way we shifted media, of course, when our stores were closed, was 100% directed to driving web traffic, as you would expect. Mm -hmm. We went very big on search. Uh, we went very big on our social. We um, I brought in a new set of influencers, a whole large group of influencers. We started to do some deeper partnerships with some of our, um, with Google, with um, some of our, you know, the social platforms out there. I'm curious, where did you find social? What? How did you define social influencers for this category? Who would be the social influencers in the party category? Well. Celebrate. Everybody celebrates, so there's yeah. a little, <laughs> but but there are influencers. Um, there's so we have multiple groups. It's a, I'm pausing because there's multiple groups. The first group that we brought on from an influencer team, um, a longtime friend. She actually worked with her. Um, she's got a company. Her name's Maria Bailey. She has a company called BSM um, Blue Suit Media. She has a, a network of like thirty five thousand moms. So mom is a big group. Okay. For us, as you would expect, mm -hmm. because she's obviously dealing with the kids' birthdays, but she's also dealing with the family events, um, which aren't, you know, which are yes parties but celebrations. So that was a that's where we started because we felt that was the most critical component. Mm -hmm. We've we've now, especially in preparation for the holiday, we added onto it more of what I would call a young adult focus. Um, especially leaning into the Halloween season mm -hmm. because the young adults, um, we learned last year, they have a strong participation in Halloween. And so it's not just about kids. 
And in fact, this year we found that um, young adults uh, and adults actually, our sales were, were fairly equal between them and kids, mm-hmm. which, which again, makes some sense when you think of, when you think about young adults and wanting to dress up and, and the things that they, they're looking to, to do to, to celebrate the, the day. The influencers then teams, we worked with our social teams to not only do in, you know the influencer type of work that they would do, but the additional content that they brought to bear is we then created something that was proprietary to us called the Joy Squad. Mm-hmm. So our Joy Squad, um, because our mission is to help make it easy for people to create unforgettable memories. That's our, our, our promise and our purpose in life. And so the Joy Squad was sort of the best of, of, the, of all of those pieces where you were taking some of what the influencers were doing the Joy Squad were people who were event specialists and had some influence in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. And so they were able to take the best of the ideas and the content and create, um, again, more content about how to, how to, it was very how to with easy checklists um, across the board. And it, it was really timely. It's something that's going to continue, but it was really timely because people didn't know how. They didn't know how to do a virtual party. My son is a 2020 high school grad. <laughs> so how do you do graduation when you can't actually have it? So the car parades, the personalized signs, the balloons, you know, all of those things. Then the summer, it was like, oh my God, there's no summer camps. What do you do with your kids when you can't send them away to camp? And you're like, you know, they don't have school. What do you do? Our Joy Squad created a whole itinerary of how to do an at-home backyard summer camp, complete with itineraries, whether it was hot or rainy indoor, outdoor, here's all the things to buy. Here's the things to do. So they, mom, dad, whoever didn't have to think about it, mm-hmm. they could do it. And so the Joy Squad um, is something that came out that was sort of a, we, we still have our influencers, but then we created our own proprietary influencer set. And that is really, to go back to your original question, um, that has really been a big shift um, in terms of the media that I, is, is really here to stay. Mm-hmm. Because we've made adjustments to our site, because of what we're doing with our influencers, our content, because over the pandemic, we stood up BOPAC, buy online, pick up a curb and same day delivery. We did that inside of eight days within the first month of the pandemic. Because those are such important components of how consumers wanted to shop. And I believe will continue to want to shop. I believe that that is something that, you know, continued to rise during this period, but is only going to maintain, if not continue to increase in terms of the percentage of, of um, sales. So they're web-driven in many cases, but fulfilled at store. So BOPIS, BOPAC, you know, we have to all have acronyms, SDD. So buy line, pick up in store, at curb or same day delivery. Those were of course the only thing for a while. Then when the stores opened, we still saw that it had a huge um, following and it still does. So our focus now for is continuing even for web. It's yes, for some store, but also heavily for web because the web driven sales actually drive store foot traffic because of those delivery methods. Okay. Uh, so were the, by the way, the, the delivery curbside, curbside delivery at home delivery, were these new businesses for you or was this, yes. was this, these were new, entirely new models for you. Totally were you, new. Were you using third-party uh, delivery services? Yes. So yes. you were in the same boat as the QSRs. 
in yes. cultivating these relationships with all these third-party delivery services. Yeah, so you know, we were you when I was speaking before. You know, my background, lots of auto. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I Ford, Chrysler. Uh, I was just at a private equity-held company, not only, but lots of auto in my background. So the first call um, for same-day delivery that we made. So Bopack Vineline Pickup Curve is obviously that's self-fulfilled. That's we try to stand that up. But the same-day delivery, I called some friends at Hertz because people weren't renting cars either mm -hmm. for the pandemic because nobody was traveling, right? So they had, I knew they had these cars. Now this was pre their announcement of their bankruptcy, but it, it, it didn't matter. They had cars and they had drivers. So we set up a deal with them. Very, I would tell you, it was very rudimentary. It wasn't slick and tech enabled. Mm -hmm. It was super manual to start. But it was the right thing to do because it got us going and it helped mm -hmm. us deliver to customers. And, you know, over the pandemic, customers were a little bit more forgiving because they understood right. this is something new, they're trying. And so it bought us time to continue to help to deliver, but also to then start to create some automation. And so now we've added a great deal of automation and we have uh, a, pla a tech platform called Bring. That is our uh, B-R-I-N-G-G. -G. That is our platform that helps to create that technological uh, interface for same day delivery and curbside. It's also um, complete with a bunch of last mile providers. So mm -hmm. our last mile partners in there, um, Hertz actually were just, were stepping out there, backing away from that uh, business. It was a business model. I think that was helpful for them too, but that's, it's not their core. So they're gonna back out of that, but we have other, lots of other um, last mile partners that we had created, Shipped being one and uh, several others that are part of the Bring system. So now that is, um, it's all fully third party, but you know, with a technology enabled element now. So you, you, we've already covered now several different models that you had to create on the fly. Um, so leveraging social influencers in new ways, delivery, curbside, curbside uh, pickup. Um, these were wholly new processes that you had to really either accelerate or put, or put into place. So I'm curious, what did you learn in that process about internally how to make such quick moves well in terms of how you organize yourselves as a group, how you communicate internally so that this can happen? Because this is sort of the challenge that everybody had over the last six to nine months is how to be fleet, how to, be, how to, how to make those quick pivots and what you learn about your own structures and your own relationships and organizations to make it work. It's... Um it's probably the most important question <laughs> that you're, you're asking in terms of, from my opinion, from my chair, because um, I'm one of the who are like, you know, I've got a vision, we got big ideas and our team, you know, it's, first of all, this isn't a marketing and experience. If I don't have an awesome CIO, head of ops, my chief merchant, our supply chain guy, oh my God, you know, this, this all falls apart. So the first is you've, to make any of this happen, I, you've really got to ensure that you've got a strong leadership team who are very much partnered. It sounds so trite, everybody says it, but I can tell you that I, the majority of organizations I've been in, that has not been the case, not been the case. There's always a little bit of infighting, territorialism. I'm super happy to tell you it doesn't exist here, which is one of the reasons why I, I joined is you know, one of the benefits of getting older is you, you decide what's the most important thing. For me, team, the culture is the most important thing. So having this team is really key because when you're rolling out something, let's just pick same day delivery. We're rolling out same day delivery. This requires 
many touch points. First of all, I've got to have my CIO because if you're going to go online and place an order for same day delivery, I've got to have my CIO make that connection to the point of sale, to the inventory management in the store to tell you if it's available in your store. I mean, again, these are things that seem obvious, but it's not a it's not an easy thing to do in a big legacy system. Next, I have to work with my supply chain team, the right head of supply chain, because now they initially, when you think about how a traditional business runs, they're thinking about the throughput of that location. Well, now I'm bumping up because I'm adding buy in line, pick up a curb and same delivery. So now I'm pushing volume that was never anticipated or forecast. So now we have to be super nimble and quick um, to be able to help to make sure that we have the product there, the merchandise there that the customer wants. Mm -hmm. On the merchant side, we're now learning different things because not only does a pandemic drive potentially different purchases and different needs and wants, and by the way, now we're an essential provider too. We do toilet paper, paper plates and snacks and sodas. You know, everybody's had to adapt. Mm -hmm. So the merchandise has had to change, but the way that we merchandise it has had to change too. So instead of one-offs, what is the, the grouping of that? So, and, and the kits and, and that kind of thing to make it again, easy for the customer to get what they want without having to pick, you know, mm-hmm. pick up, look all over, hunt and pack all over the place. So those are the pieces that I would say are, were a learning that you, when you go in and you're quickly trying to deal with things, this is super fast. We didn't have the ability to, you know, take months to plan this out. This was scrappy in the moment. So you learn very quickly that you've got to have this core team and they have to be sort of dedicated to making this work. Then on the operation side, that's that was our biggest learning because I think one of the things we didn't do well was, um, was enough of the, I'll call it a teaser or the boiling the frog scenario <laughs> where you're giving it to the stores and the associates in the stores and you're telling them about it and explaining it and showing it and you know giving videos of how it's going to work so often that by the time it happens it just feels like it's always been there we didn't do that very well is what i will tell you initially and so there was a lot of confusion i think you know it, it affects everything um of course so the, the as learning that, was you really have to over communicate I mean, over communicate and on the operational side this really needs to go all the yeah. way through the chain and you really need to, to the associate needs to become store. like rope like rope for, for them absolutely to the associate at the store level yeah. right this is and remember these are hourly associates so they don't have emails so that you don't communicate with them that way mm-hmm. you're, you're really communicating with the the rvp and the dm and the general manager of the store um but there are ways that we can communicate with the associate, we do have training platforms that they can log into. They do have, you know, the mm-hmm. traditional bulletin boards that they go to look at in there. We've, so there's other tools that we have. We do have iPods and phones in the store. So there's there's tools when you start to get into a mindset of communication with the employee is going to be number one. We've got to bring them along. The other learning that we had that we picked up midway that we're now trying to accelerate is trying to find these you know, we call them brand ambassadors, but they're not, they're not necessarily a brand ambassador. They're really a kind of a change ambassador, a change champion, mm-hmm. because so much of what's happening is a continuous cycle of change. So whether it's technology or processes, what have you, by having groups of associates in each region that volunteer because they love this and they really want to be the leader outside of having a leadership role, outside of being a general manager, they want to be that um, they they then reach in and they're the first they're right they're our test pilot 
group, they're the first to take this and to give us feedback on like, okay, here's a, here's a better way we think to be able to explain this to associate or to show it to an associate. This should have a video. This one, you don't need a video. Have somebody come in and do a demo in person, mm -hmm. do a couple of test runs with a fake curbside order or whatever. This is where the real, you know, lift comes because this is, otherwise you sit up here, especially in a pandemic, it, and we're trying to do the best you can, but it's really the people on the ground mm -hmm. who, if you can entrust them, can give you so much richness in terms of how to actually be more successful more quickly. We set up uh, an internal and, Facebook and by group. making these sort of what you call them change ambassadors, you're investing them with a certain, uh, they're invested in the process in a way. You're, they are. You're, not, you're not just polling, you're not just polling the troops and getting their sentiment, you're assigning specific people who have that role and who have sort of bought in, they're, they're partners in this. Absolutely. And that's the key to, to really empower the, the team to be able to tell us what's best. And this is what we try to, um, this is what we try to drive with our all of our teams is that as the executive team, we aren't here to dictate, we're here to help. What is it that you need from us to allow you to do your job better? We know that if we want to make it easier for our customers to, to shop with us and to find joy, we've got to make it easier for our associates to do their job. And we don't always do that. You know, what are we, we look through, what are we asking them? What are the tasks assigned to the stores every day? Oh, well, it's like, you know, this stocking or restocking or resets or what have you. Well, you start to look through this list of stuff. Where's the customer in that? You know, what is it? How do we how do we make sure that they know that the customer trumps that whole list? And those those are the kinds of learnings that when we're saying, here's what we want, sometimes what you give is in contrast to the thing that you say that you want as an executive team. And so it takes sometimes somebody who's living it that you've, to your point, not some anointed, but who's who's volunteered to be that mirror mm -hmm. to say, hey, you're saying one thing, but you're giving us another. So we're, we got to figure out what it is that you really want. And then you have to pull something off the table. So actually, you know, in this change, um, one of the other big learnings is that it's equally as important when you're trying to create transformation and change. And we're adding some new things is that you have to take off things as well. You have to remove as many things, probably more than what you're actually adding to be successful because there's a learning curve to this new. And the fact is, is that when you're putting in new, you're putting in new for a reason, which probably means that there's a whole series of tasks or activities or programs that are no longer needed. And I think that many times when there's a, a shift and a change and a transformation, that new stuff gets driven in, but that stuff that is less impactful that has, you know, had its day and needs to be retired, that gets, that it just sort of stays and it, it's a drag and it's a, it adds complexity and it, it's a distraction. So that was a big learning too, is we had to start to say, okay, you know what, we're not going to do these things anymore. It's the, what to stop is as some important. Exam some examples of that. Yeah. So, um, you know, when we were looking at um, some good examples was the, so curbside when we talk about balloons. So what people, what people may not realize or understand is that when you think about curbside or Bopus or whatever, we all shop at Target and maybe pick up our in-store or a curb or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
I don't want to say it's easy because they do a great job and I don't think anything's easy about doing curbside well. But one of the challenges that we have that most retailers don't is that we do balloons. We do a lot of balloons. We love to be synonymous with balloons. Um, that's kind of our thing. Well, the thing with balloons is that they have a, they have a very specific shelf life. <laughs> so if you've got a party, Right. That's right. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm, yeah. I'm, we're all parents. We've been there. Right. <laughs> you, know. At a party, I, I, you don't want me to fill those balloons at the store today if you don't need them until Friday night, right. you know, because the latex balloons are probably be hanging around your knees. And the Mylar balloons, they'll probably, the Mylar balloons last a couple of weeks. They'll probably be okay. But still, you want to get the most life out of everything that you you have. So, the what not so what we had to do is we had to take off some basic tasks of um, you know, some of the stocking and put that till like pre hour or after hour because we needed to allot more time for our associates to be able to real time fill balloons for this now big influx of Bopac, Bopus, and same day orders that were coming in. This was again we'd always done buy line pickup in stores so they were very used to having to do that. But now we've just ramped that volume way up. Mm-hmm. And so they're having to do that in addition to serving the customer who walks in. So trying to schedule by looking at that flow, schedule the right periods of times where there's windows to allow us to fill specifically and have associates assigned to those types of tasks and the other ones assigned to making sure that the customers who are in store are fully served. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a bit of the adjustment with the, the scheduling and the labor model that we, we had to, to deal with as a result of the change. And by the way, that is staying and we are still working on perfecting it. I'd love to tell you we had it all figured out, but we're still working on per, um, perfecting that um, because it's, again, it's, we want to be synonymous. We wanted that to be um, kind of what we're known for. And that's why we did same day delivery because anybody parent who's tried to jam a bunch of balloons in their cars knows that that's a pain. And so if somebody can deliver those balloons when you need it in real time, it's a much better deal. But to be able to do that well and to coordinate with that last mile partner that we discussed coming, that's where that technology piece comes in play. But it falls apart if we don't have those balloons done in the right period of time, not too early, but also not too late because you don't want that last mile provider waiting because if they're waiting, you know, then we get bad rankings from that last mile provider. And then none of those drivers want to come to our stores to pick up our things. So there's a lot of, you know, the new it's in the devil's in the details for sure on this. And so that's, that's one of the biggest learnings that, that by the way, is an ongoing learning that we're still trying to get perfect. Let me let's let's wrap by talking about the the media piece. Going back to the media piece, since you mentioned that obviously e-commerce had a huge bump for you, but also e-commerce is one of the things that also drives foot traffic. So I'm curious about what that new funnel looks like to you and the media that drives it. If you know that you're going to get you're you're increasing your digital substantially. You're using search and social and social influence to drive that. You're moving people to the site, but then they might go in a couple of different directions. You may be driving them to retail. You may be getting, I guess, you may be getting just direct e-commerce. So, what have you learned over these last nine months, and how has your media mix evolved as you start realizing you've got this much more complicated funnel here that's driving people in a lot of different directions? Yeah, it's certainly much more digitally focused. So um, our biggest media 
buys of the year come in support of Halloween um, versus many retailers, which is end of year, but our, Halloween is sort of our Christmas, mm -hmm. if you will. Um, and so just as an example, the big changes in our media mix this year were were largely, again, a much bigger emphasis on search, much a bigger percentage of our spend went there. A bigger percentage went against social um, with that influencer component. We took out theater for obvious reasons. Nobody was in a theater this year. So we took that out. We took out all, every one of our sponsorships except we added one. So there were no sponsorships, which was unusual. We had one, which was the next door, you know, the next, do you have you with the next door app? Mm -hmm. So the next door app, which was super helpful for Halloween because in your local town, now you could see where it was safe to, to go. And we had a little interactive, you know, game. It was sort of a Pokemon-ish, but with a kind of a, one of our Halloween people in it, that, that was a sponsorship, but that had, but different than many sponsorships because it was tied exactly into being able to have your candy and your decor and being able to see the houses where it was safe to go and where there was decor. We were able to, to be super interactive with it. Um, the other big change was that in terms of the more the traditional broadcast, we were a largely, you know, the vast majority of our broadcast was connected TV. Mm -hmm. um, and that was that was new for um, the company this year was to do connected TV. And I again, I think that that worked out really well for us. Um, we did have end up having some network that ended up just because of the strangeness that was happening with media and the buys and things sort of just popping up and becoming available. Um, but that was that was a that was key. I will tell you the other component that was key that we did took much more advantage of, which is less media but certainly part of what I would call the communication mix is PR. Mm -hmm. So we did a, a big, we had, um, our teams were very big, our PR teams, and we have, you know, a couple of them working very hard to get us um, involved with third party, whether it was podcasts, whether it was uh, TV shows, mm -hmm. where they were talking about how to celebrate because their audiences wanted to have ideas on what they could do to not crush the dreams of their children, <laughs> you know? And so we were here to be this <laughs> the solution provider. So- There's a high bar, there's a high bar for a brand. <laughs> yeah, right. And so uh, that, I would tell you that that probably, you know, influencing of a different kind, of a different nature, right. was as important um, as anything else, because that's, yeah. that third party is, is that earned is really important. It sounds like across the board there was, um, and we, um, so we were running short, but but I, uh, it seems to me that content in a bunch of places here, content really took on a much bigger role. So I'm curious about what that did to your content team. I mean, you're talking, you were literally teaching people how to party mm -hmm. under new conditions. Yes. You were doing things like this Halloween guide for um, uh, for next next. Year. next mm -hmm. uh, um, these are these are much different content projects than you're probably used to. So has that and, and going forward, do you anticipate that content becomes a much bigger part permanently? And how did that change the structure of your team? Hundred percent. So we we would like to be the author of more trends rather than a follower of them. Um, I think that with the insights and the knowledge that we have about the celebration space, we. Um, I think it's our purview to do that, but I think people expect us, that they expect that from us. They would expect to be able to find that. 
um, in us. And so we are, we're going to be what you've seen and what I've just discussed about what we've done very recently, we expect to really put on steroids. Um, we have an entire party planning team that we're setting up, um, B2C and B2B, and it's not it's not paid. It's not like a party planner where, you know, you have to have a lot of money and go hire a party planner to do your party, whatever. This is, we actually have party planners who are here to help you virtually. You can schedule an appointment with them in the store. They are helping people in many ways who either come to us because they have been on Pinterest and saw this great image of something, some content that we put out there and our party planner had done that. And they're like, I want to do something like that. And so we connect them with the party planner. And then the party planner is like, oh, you want something like that? Or you know, tell me about what celebration you have and how big and where. And blah, blah. Then they can help to put all of that together in the appropriate way for that customer. But it's all content driven. Mm -hmm. To just say that we've got a party planner is one thing. You really have to help people imagine, well, what does that mean? And what can that be? Um, and that's where content comes into play. So the whole and the joy squad, everything that we have, even when you shop our site, eventually we're getting there. Mm -hmm. uh, even with these kits, um, we're, we're trying to have more video and vignettes and some of this joy squad info, because that's the inspiration. That inspiration is really important when it comes to celebration, because the vast majority of people who shop don't, they know that they have their kid's birthday and they just are like, I don't know. Uh, he wants Spider-Man, Is he, he likes it. And they kind of come and they struggle through the aisles. Like, I, I don't know. This is where we want to help. We want to build it in store, have inspiration walls, have video. We want to offer the party planner, the actual people there to help you, whether you're in store or online. Um, and we want to have self-serve content that you can get on our site or other places that will direct you back, that will help you as in, in terms of ideas and then specific how-tos and a shopping list. Again, easy is the key theme here for us. Uh, well, th thank you very much. I think that's actually a lesson that something that I've been hearing throughout this pandemic is that one of the things that a lot of brands discovered is uh, the ways in which they can be of service to consumers uh, that they hadn't imagined before this. Um, and that, that, that consumer needs were surfaced during this pandemic that they hadn't fully appreciated even if they knew they were there. Yeah, I think that that's I think that that's true, and I think it's I think it's just nothing but good for the consumer. I think that the consumer wins in all of this eventually, um, because retailers we've had to up our game and really pivot quickly to serve mm -hmm. them. So it's all good. We're, we'll continue. Julie Rame, uh, CMO of Party City. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And thanks for tuning in to Media Post Brand Insider Podcast. You can keep up to date with breaking marketing and media news at mediapost.com. That's also where you can subscribe to the Brand Insider newsletter, where highlighted versions of these interviews can go to your email inbox each week. If you have any comments or suggestions for the Brand Insider series, please send them to me, steve at mediapost.com.